Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions today. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number, taking your calls and your questions of what the Lord has on your mind, on your heart, we are encouraged by the presence of the Lord and His faithfulness and goodness and invite you in to be encouraged and strengthened in all that God wants to do in your life. If you're listening on Grace FM, this is a live broadcast, so you can call in at 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Um, that'll get you on the air, and we can talk about what's on your mind and heart at that point. And if you want to text us, you can text a question or a prayer request directly to us, 720-336-0897. Uh, and that will, you know, and I would encourage you to save those numbers in your, um, in your cell phone. <clears throat> you, can do, you can use them uh, at any time, you know, just say, hey, Siri, or whatever the command is on an Android phone, and just say, hey, call Calvary Live or text Calvary Live, and, and that way you can make it easier, especially when you're on, on the road. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. Taking your calls and your questions. I want to let you know tonight's a special night, and we're praying for the weather to hold out, uh, but we have a family night and baptism starting in just about an hour here at Calvary Church, here on the property at 5 p.m. Uh, we are going. We have some uh, bouncers, uh, we have a food truck that's serving tacos, we have a food truck that's serving snow cones, um, we've got some games planned that Pastor Byron's put together. And then at 7 o'clock, we're going to have baptisms, uh, that first step of obedience into water baptism. Uh, and you're more than welcome. You don't need to be a part of Calvary Church to be a part of this. Uh, you can just come out uh, and be a part of the festivities, being encouraged in the Lord, uh, encouraged in all that the Lord uh, has for you. And if you need to be water baptized, we would love to be a part of that uh, as a believer. Uh, and we would want you to come and confess your faith in Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection, uh, his life, his death, and his resurrection, uh, and you can come get food. There's extra costs, of course, of the food trucks and stuff, but uh, you can get some food. You can go to the Wendy's there. There's also... Um, uh, what's around? There's a Sonic across the street. There's a supermarket. 
Uh, we're at Hampton and Tower and um, would love for you to be a part of it. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. All right, let's go to the, a text line. Uh, it's a real quick text. Uh, it is what makes a cult a cult? Uh, which is a great question. What makes a cult a cult? Uh, the definition of cult, C-U-L-T, is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. A relatively small group of people having religious and beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister and another definition is a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. When it comes to Christianity, a cult, I think, would be described as any group that follows teachings that contradict Orthodox Christian doctrine and promote heresy. Once again, let's define heresy because that gets thrown around pretty easily or pretty quickly these days. So let's look at heresy. I'm going to look it up real quick. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary uh, defines um, heresy as, let's see here, adherence to a religious opinion contrary to church dogma. I think it'd be better to say uh, adherence to a religious teaching that is contrary to orthodoxy to the essentials of the Christian faith. So you take groups, most groups considered cults would say that they are a true Christian group, but have it wrong when it comes to who Jesus is, the character and nature of God, or the character and nature of salvation, or the character and nature of God's Word, any of those could lead to a person uh, or a group being known as cult-like. So great, simple question. Thanks for starting off uh, the program. That's a, that's a good question, and we're taking them here. Let's go right to Blackhawk. Steve, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Pastor Ed. It's good to speak with you again. Yeah, thank you. I was hoping that you could uh, give us a little insight. Uh, I was... Uh, Wondering about the issue of uh, emotions, uh, of uh, God's um, logic and our own logic, okay, and those three issues uh, working together in our decision making, both in in our uh, personal lives and our marriage. Uh, could you say a little bit about what the Bible teaches? Well, that's a great question. I think the the fact that God is a God of decency and in order. He likes done things done decently and in order. We know that um, from 1 Corinthians. We also know that God is not the author of confusion, uh, which can affect the minds and the emotions. And from that, we, and we can see the logical formation of the earth, that there's a plan and a purpose behind things, so that you could say that God operates in all three of those realms— uh, in perfect unity and harmony, and as you and I have been created in the image of God, the, we know that those three things will 
also be operating in our lives, although not always in perfect harmony, right? <laughs> where, right. Where, where we have God's logic, I could say, and His way of thinking is revealed to us in the Scriptures, and then our ability to uh, emotionally connect or emotionally be involved in a, in a decision, and then also make a decision that's logical, right? Because God is in perfect harmony, so in these three things, He's going to be in perfect harmony. You and I, not so much. There'll be times when we have the right heart and we understand God's Word, but we're, we are illogical. Or Amen. we understand God's Word and we, we make a logical decision that's actually more emotional-based than biblically based, you know, it's like we we make a decision based upon our emotions and just happen uh, to hit it right when it comes to logic and the word. But most often, when we have the word wrong, and when we have understanding God's heart wrong, then our emotions and will will overcome us, and most likely we'll make a very illogical um, decision. Um, but even so, we can't rely upon our emotions and logic so much, right? Because there'll be times where God's Word will instruct us to do something counterintuitive. Uh, it counter, you could even say counterlogical. I wouldn't say illogical, but counterlogical, where um, God's will is superseding the way that we... So, you, you know, I would, I would pose in relation to your question, human logic may at times be opposed to God's logic, uh, because human logic may be more human-centered, it may be selfish, uh, where we could say, well, that's a logical thing to do, but it's actually not God's way to do things. Uh, and so we want to line those things up through prayer and through the Word, and, and if we see that something is acceptable in the Word and it's not sinful, uh, we can proceed with that decision, uh, asking God to align our logic and align our emotions with His perfect will. Is there something specific that you have in mind that that you with that kind of with those thoughts? Uh, not not necessarily. I was just uh, wondering. Sometimes uh, when when uh, emotions drive uh, uh, decisions, uh, uh, it seems like they can get kind of uh, counterintuitive to uh, to what uh, uh, really should work, and and then we have second thoughts and uh, brings you back and makes you wonder whether God would have been with us in that uh, decision-making process. Yeah, I, I can think of, as you're talking, I can think of something that is very, or at least appears from a world that we live in, because remember our battle is the world, the system we're in, our own flesh, and the devil. Those are always hitting us, hitting us, hitting us. Amen. And, and I think of something that's not readily acceptable in our culture, and that's humility. Humility, to many, seems illogical. Uh, our culture is always emphasizing, get the most that you can as fast as you can, take advantage of as many people as you can. Yeah, it's too bad. Some people have to hurt. Just don't let it be you. Uh, you know, the culture teaches us, me, myself, and I, uh, take care of yourself first, and on and on that list goes. But the way of Jesus, I, I would even put it this way, the way the world operates is the way up is to continually ascend no matter who upward, no matter who you take advantage of, no matter what you do. And again, I'm being very general because there's different variations of that. But the right. way of Jesus is 
the you could put it this way, the way up is actually down. Jesus came as the example to serve, not to be served. You know, I think of another proverb, you know, as you're reading through the wisdom literature, you know, one of the proverbs talks about, hey, don't praise yourself. Let another mouth do that. But what do we do? We praise ourselves. Yeah. Um, we, we are very quick to, I mean, read a typical resume. The way the system works is if you want the job, you need to make sure that you tell them all the great things you've done in life so that they'll consider you for this job. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've never read a resume that says, you know, I got fired from this job and I got fired from that one and I failed at that one. And, and I'm hoping that this will be the one that fits my skill set. Um, you know, the hiring managers are going to say thanks, but no thanks. But when you highlight every good thing you've ever done, it gives you a greater propensity or a greater opportunity and a propensity on the hiring managers to go, you know, I think you're the right person for the job. And, and again, that's not necessarily bad or good. It's just the facts where yeah. humility is not, a, not valued in our culture. And, and even so, if it's, if it's valued in our culture, it's valued in such a way that will propel you to move forward. Like, like uh, in the world, you know, the, you might go to a to a training at your work and they're going to teach you servant leadership but the whole purpose of servant leadership in the context of the corporate world is so that the company makes more money and your employees stay loyal you know they're the, the very rarely it was servant and and being in many corporate trainings myself very rarely was servant leadership presented to us as you know we want you to take the low road no matter the cost no, they go, oh, yeah. be careful, because you've, if it costs us too much, we don't want to be servant leaders anymore. And, and so I think all three of those, they work together, because a lot of times you might, you, someone might consider, well, we don't want to have an emotion-based decision, but emotion-based decisions aren't necessarily bad if they line up with the scriptures uh, and they're led by the Holy Spirit. You know, like, like for example, if uh, you are sad and you want to... Um, cry, and that decision leads you to be alone to spend some time with the Lord. That's not a bad decision, right? Um, so it's like it—it's maintaining a good balance between your own personal logic, uh, your emotion uh, 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 factor uh, guiding as well, uh, hand in hand, but making sure that God's logic is the. Uh, the the director of it all. Yeah, I think that I think that as you and I are wrestling with our emotions, wanting to make a decision, we want to yield ourselves and to God's instruction in His Word that most matches His character. I mean, because none of us are going to get it a hundred percent right, um, but we're going to live by faith and we're going to walk by faith and we're going to trust that God is leading us in that decision. Amen to that. So thank you very much. I don't want to monopolize the program, so please go on to the next one. And I, I pray that uh, uh, they are as uh, uh, receptive as, as uh, uh, I would hope to be. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. God bless you. Right. We miss you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Got a couple open lines. We'd love to have you join us. I was just down this last weekend in Colorado Springs teaching it uh, with our friends at Rocky Mountain Calvary uh, on, right there on Academy. Pastor Eric was away and invited me a couple weeks ago to come and fill in for him. Uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary is a church that I've had a friendship and relationship with 
almost since I moved here. Uh, pastor Brian Michaels was the pastor back then, uh, and he was one of those pastors that uh, just opened up the doors of his ministry to me as a church planter. I always, always, always remember that. Never uh, will I forget uh, how much of a help uh, Rocky Mountain has, not only under Brian's leadership, but also under Eric Cartier's leadership. Uh, Eric and I met for the very first time. This is a great story. I shared it. And while I'm sharing this, give me a call, 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. I I remember the very first time Pastor Brian had invited me to come and teach. Uh, Our church was very young back then. Uh, I had not taught at many larger churches. I had taught in my home church back in California, but of course I was our home church and I was incredibly nervous. So Pastor Brian was one of the first to invite me um, to teach at a larger church and I was super nervous and um, such an honor. And I taught in his absence and then after, I don't know if it was after the service or in between, I, I went over to sit in their cafe and walked up to a young couple uh, that uh, were recently married. Um, I forget how long it was. And then they had just been invited to, Pastor Eric was, or Eric had just been invited to be the high school pastor there. And so I happened to meet that day, Amber and Eric, uh, the, the day, the first day I was ever asked to teach there. And we became quick friends and have been friends all these years. And I've had the privilege of serving and ministering at Rocky Mountain for many, many years now. And I got a great story I want to share, so I'll, I'll unfold it uh, throughout the, the, the show today. Uh, but I was there last week, and it was great, and I got a story to share about that. But let me get back to the phone lines. Uh, we are looking at Rick in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Rick, welcome to the program. Thank you. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. A little spiritual warfare in my mind, but I'm doing well otherwise. Well, I'll keep you in prayer. Thank you. I received that. Um, I got a question for you from my recent Bible reading in Matthew. Okay. In the in the twenty second chapter, the parable of the wedding feast. Yes. Clear at the end, eleven through fourteen, where it talks about the guests not being dressed properly. Yes. Could Could you explain that to me? Yeah, that's a great that's a great illustration, isn't it? I mean, I love that about Jesus. All of us as pastors would do well. Uh, to follow his lead, and that was to use very common pictures that would connect right away, and a marriage feast would connect right away. And so those of you uh, familiar with the Scripture, he describes it in chapter 22. He says in verse 2, "...the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son, and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come." And then he goes on uh, toward the end, and he said in verse 11, but when, there, when the king came to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called and few are chosen." So we stay with the illustration that Jesus uh, shares, and the illustration is that in order to be in this marriage, to, to, to participate in this marriage and the feast, 
you needed to be invited. And he starts out by inviting people. They all turn him down. Uh, and then he instructs them to go invite those, um, go to the highways, invite people, um, gather people together, good and bad, bring them all in, and the, the marriage will be filled with guests. And this is a picture of the kingdom. Uh, it's a picture of how the kingdom operates. There are people that are invited that will refuse and have really lame excuses, but the consequence will be they don't get to enjoy the marriage. They don't get to enjoy the marriage feast. They, they are, uh, by their own words, judged. And it sounds like something Jesus said as well back in John 3, right? He said that he didn't come to condemn. Um, he came to save. And anyone that would come to him would be saved, but those that don't will be condemned. They have the condemnation on them already. So that when the wedding hall now is filled with guests, there were some guests that didn't have a wedding garment. And that not having a wedding garment prompted this question, why don't you have one? And the person was speechless. He didn't have an answer. And the result was, hey, you don't have a wedding garment, so you can't be here. And you're going to be taken away, outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I believe the, the greatest illustration of this would be the gathering of the saints, the gathering of a group of worshipers that uh, are together enjoying the, the, the future now, uh, like a church gathering, and there'll be people we invite to church, they don't come, there'll be people we invite to worship, they don't want, they have good reasons, so then we start inviting anyone and everyone, and there are people that are getting saved, they are, their lives are being changed, but then there's this person that doesn't have the right garments on, there's this person that obviously doesn't belong, or I think it might be say it might be safe to say there's someone that snuck in or was pretending but was found out because they weren't robed correctly. And this this is a great um, illustration in Isaiah 61 in verse 10. It talks about garments of salvation. Uh, in Galatians chapter five, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. Colossians it talks about. Um, robing your, or Peter talked about being robed in righteousness, I believe it was, uh, putting on the garments of praise in other places. So the idea of, of a garment here is that in a wedding, you'd be given a special garment, you can enjoy uh, the festivities, but if you weren't invited, you didn't get the garment. So if you don't have the garment, you can't be there. And the the connection with us spiritually is, is that we aren't able to enter into the kingdom of heaven if we haven't been invited and been given the right garments, that we haven't been given the garment of salvation, we haven't been robed in the righteousness of Christ, that we can't, we can't come into the kingdom in our own good works, we can't invite ourselves, we can't do it our way. It, it needs to be um, God's way with His garment of salvation, not our own good works. We can't sneak in. We will be found out. Uh, and and he takes it into the spiritual realm eternally. He says, look, this is so serious that when it comes to the kingdom of God, if you haven't been invited in and you, have, you don't have the right garments, there's eternal damnation for you. Um, in this particular case, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and so there, it's, a, it's a parable, right? It's a parable, and a parable is where a story and truths are cast alongside each other. And so Jesus is using a familiar picture 
Everyone would understand if you want to be in the wedding, you got to wear the garment that's given to you. If you don't get the garment, you weren't invited, you can't come in. And even if you tried to come in, you'd be found out. And when you don't have a good reason, like like a good reason could be, oh, I, I left my garment over there. Or a good reason could be, uh, I misplaced it in the restroom. I mean, whatever it might be. But when you have no word, how'd you come in here? How'd you make it in? You know, I, 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 I'm speechless. Well, the king interpreted that speechlessness as he had no business there. He had no, um, he, he had no right to be there because he was not clothed in the righteousness uh, or the robe that was given to him by the master, and therefore he was cast out. So basically he's just pretending to be a Christian. Yeah, in the context of the church today, that would be, you know, Jesus said, let the tares and the wheat grow up together. Uh, God will sort it out at the end. Um, you know, in a gathering, like uh, any of our church gatherings, there'll be, like, like what Gino Dracy says, he says there's the believer and there's the make-believer. And unfortunately, there are a lot of make-believers among us in our gatherings that have put on their own garments while refusing to take the garments of Christ. Why? Because the garments of Christ require repentance. They require denying self. They require... They requ- there's a requirement, you know, you're, it's not your kingdom, it's his kingdom, it's not your wedding, it's his wedding, it's not your definition, it's his definition. So a lot of people want the appearance, I think the fa- religious Pharisees also had that. Remember, I think it was Paul telling Timothy, they have, um, they, they have every appearance of righteousness, but they deny the power thereof. And so yeah, there's a lot of make-believers among us, unfortunately. Right. Well, that helps a lot, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. Great question. Thanks for calling. Yep. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. All right. 303-690-3000. So I was at Rocky Mountain Calvary as the calls are coming in, and I had a message prepared. I've been traveling uh, with my book, uh, God's Help for the Troubled Heart, and I had not gone there yet with it. So I had a message that I've been traveling with uh, for that book. And it, it, the Lord has used it, blessed it, uh, and uh, it, it would have been phenomenal if I taught it. But as we were checking into the hotel in the Springs and getting ready to go to the Saturday night service, I just felt this impression that I should change it up. Uh, but I didn't have my laptop with me, uh, so I only had the studies that were available on my, uh, on my iPad. And I'm just going through the different studies uh, that have been edited for me, and you know, hi- my, my assistant highlights and puts them together. And and um, I was looking through them, and I just felt this strong impression uh, to teach this study on the goodness of God. And and so I did. Uh, I changed it up one one hour be- uh, before I went down to the church, uh, and. I was I felt very comfortable about it. didn't even didn't even have a second thought about it. Uh, and when I got to the church, I was checking in, uh, getting my microphone set up, and I found out that I was going to be using a handheld mic. And I asked, was it any way possible that I could use the over ear mic because um, I don't typically teach with a handheld mic. It's very difficult for me because I move a lot and I pick up my Bible to read it. And I and they said, no, it's we're teaching outside and. And it's windy, and it's going to pick up. Your mic is so sensitive. It's going to. And I said, "Okay, no problem. I'm going to serve. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to hold the mic." And 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 so I'm now at that point. I'm just caught up in my head. 
I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? How, how can I hold my Bible? How am I going to set my iPad up? How am I going to? And I'm thinking about that. And then they're telling me, well, here's the order of the service. So I'm thinking, they're talking. And he says, and then you're going to come up after the song, Goodness of God. And at that moment, it snapped me out of my head. And I said, what? And they said, and when they went through from the beginning, this is what we're going to do, this song, this song, and then you, you're going to come up, come over here to the side, come to the stairs, we'll give you the microphone, and you're going to come up. And hold that thought, because the music caught up with us. <laughs> so we're going to be right back, and I'm going to finish the story, get back to the phone lines. This is Calvary Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor taking your calls and questions. Uh, so grateful for you guys listening on Hope FM and Truth FM. Of course, up in here, up and down the front range on Grace FM radio network. Uh, taking your calls and your questions uh, open uh, to the work of the Holy Spirit. I see all the phone lines are full right now. I want to finish my story real quick because I want to encourage you uh, in what God is doing. So I was down at Rocky Mountain Calvary, caught up in my head when I um, uh, they let me know I was going to be teaching with a handheld mic, and I was just trying to figure it out. For the, only the second time in 20 years, I'm teaching with a handheld mic, and and as you guys know that I move around a lot, I move my hands a lot, and I pick up the Bible to read it, and on and on. So I'm caught in my head. They're giving me the order of service, and then they say, you know, this is when you come up. The last song is Goodness of God, and 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 then, you know, that snapped me out of it. And I said, what? What? did? Can you say that again? And they went through the whole thing, and Goodness of God, and I, I said, hey, I really think that the Lord wants to do something this weekend because just an hour ago I changed my message, and I want to show you. I opened up my iPad, and I flipped to the back, and I had the lyrics of that song uh, in at the end. And when I taught it here, I asked Pastor Ian to end with that song. So it'll be a closing meditative thing. And uh, and so I just felt like the Lord did amazing outpouring of his Holy Spirit. As we learned about the goodness of God, we know that the Lord is good. Uh, that truth is undermined quite a bit from circumstances and such, but we know that the Lord is good and he's faithful. So um, you know, just be obedient and, uh, and, and follow his lead and let him sort it out. 303-690-3000, Denver, Colorado. Linda, welcome to the program. Hey, hey hello. Linda. How you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, thanks for taking my call. I, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, I'm wondering about, and I, I've been wondering for a while, um, I, I looked a little bit, uh, in scripture, seeing if I could find something, but I really couldn't. Um, the angels that followed uh, Satan when he left or got kicked out, um, can they ever find uh, their way back? Can they ever find forgiveness? Is there any way that a fallen angel can get get back to God's kingdom? There is no way that a fallen angel can come back into a worshipful relationship of God. They the 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 angelic realm is a different category of created beings, uh, similar to animals, humans, uh, the spiritual beings we know as angels and now demons, 
And the category of, and, and we know that in, even in those three categories, animal, uh, angelic, humans, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, only died for humans. So this, the history of salvation, or you could say salvific history, centers on human beings. And so God became a man to save men and women. Uh, and angels are, are a different class of created beings. And right. as we st- study the scriptures, we see that there, there is no redemption for those angels that rebelled against God. It seems that they had a, f- they, they had a free will choice. While you and I have many free will choices, it appears from the Bible that angels had one choice— and once they made that one choice, that was there was no turning back. And as they made their choice, uh, two-thirds to follow God, or one-third to follow God, two-thirds to follow uh, the devil, that choice was set in stone, and there was no recovery whatsoever. Once they made it, that was it. Yeah, they had it made, didn't they? They really blew it. <laughs> they did, but you know, and they, they warn us, don't they? They warn the, the angelic, the demonic realm warn us of the attractiveness of sin and the attractiveness of what pride will do and how much it'll corrupt us from the inside. And, and you know, I think we could say the same thing. I'm, I appreciate you saying that where, you know, there I find many people, many humans have it made. Yeah. And they make a similar choice. Yes. Yeah, it seems like almost the more they have it made, the more they choose the wrong way. Um, That's a great observation. Yeah. um, What can I do about the fact that I actually feel compassion for those guys? I I feel compassion for these these creatures. Well, I think that that, I think feeling compassion toward those creatures, human or otherwise, that make bad decisions. Um, is a good thing to have. I mean, to to have an emotional response to bad decisions and to the pain that's resulted from bad decisions uh, is a good good thing to have. Um, I would just say don't dwell on it. There's not much you can do about it. Uh, and let that compassion move you to a greater worship of God and a greater hunger for those that it can make a difference. Right. right. Your, yeah. Thank you. Your yeah. compassion for the for the demonic realm won't make a difference, and and actually the demonic realm uh, they have schemes. Um, they're they're crafty. Uh, they don't love you. Uh, they don't care about you. The devil the, is described as only coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, what you know, live uh, watchfully. Don't be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. Don't allow your compassion for bad decisions to put you in a vulnerable place to be influenced by the demonic realm. Yeah, you know, um, how, I, how I have been sort of working with that right now is by um, reminding myself that, you know, certainly I might have some compassion, and it's too bad they made the decision they made, uh, but God has greater compassion than I. Yes, and, um, that's a good and, point. And he knows, you know, how it, how, you know, how it really has to be, and, and his decisions, I mean, are his decisions for all the right reasons, and my compassion might be for the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, and you know, it, you, that's, it's similar to the, one of the first calls we took today, where what, what's, how, how, do, how do logic, God's lo- our human logic, God's logic, and, and our emotions, how do they tie in together with making a decision? And I think the, the most dangerous component of that is when our emotions 
cause us to make illogical decisions that are contrary to the Word of God. And and you just got to be careful. It's not bad to be compassionate, but make sure that your compassion is channeled in such a way that is glorifying to God and worshipful and not compassion to the point where, you know, I, again, I don't think you're there, but think about it. You're so compassionate, you start getting mad at God. I can't believe you didn't give him another chance. Who are you, God? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, 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 you're right. You have it right. God has a greater plan, and your care and concern for the consequences of bad decisions is not a bad thing. Uh, it just needs to be channeled in the right way under the leadership and authority of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you so much for that. That really puts the whole thing at, at peace for me. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, thanks thank for calling, you. Linda. All right, bless you. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000, Thornton, Colorado. Uh, oops, let me uh, get back to the right one. Uh, Thornton, Desiree, welcome to the program. No, Joseph in Wheat Ridge. I got to read all the Hello. way down. Joseph, you're on the air. Hello. So, uh, thank you for taking my call. You're Pastor. welcome. So, um, you know, I, I talked to Pastor Biggs about this the other day, but I, I guess I forgot to ask the other question. Okay. So, you know, when Peter was in prison, about to be executed, you know, the, uh, an angel of God, you know, released him from prison, and then he walked to the house where they were praying about him. The, the young lady goes to the door and um, says that Peter's at the door, but the people praying were like, no. That's not Peter. That's his angel. So if they can say that, can conversely they say, no, that's not so-and-so, that is their demon or their fallen angel? Because when Peter denied Christ three times, was that, if you will, uh, a demonic force or a fallen angel acting on behalf of Peter, or was that Peter actually denying Christ? Yeah, so Peter's bad decisions and Peter's rebellion is of his own free will. He's fully <laughs> responsible for it. It's not in any way connected to an angel or a demon. Uh, in this particular case, on the first part of your, your question, uh, if a bad person had something happen to it, would his demon show up? No, there aren't demons assigned to bad people. Um, we do have an indication uh, in the scriptures on the positive side that there's a good, there, there can be a good solid biblical case for guardian angels, for angels that okay. are assigned uh, in the positive sense, but there's no uh, indication uh, that a de demon is assigned, and so that now an evil person has his own personal demon. Uh, even though, even though you might hear in our world today, you know, in our culture, they say he's battling his demons, but that they yeah. don't—they're not really referring to like literal, actual fallen angels, but rather demons is a word that's used as a metaphor for their problems. You know, they just never leave and plague them. But there is no, no indication of demons being assigned to people that they have their own personal demons. No. Um, yeah, well, look at this. So I understand Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us, correct? And the yes. Holy Spirit never leaves. Yes. So, okay. Okay, so the Bible says stay sober-minded. So it means don't get drunk. Don't get high. So if a Christian, if you will, gets drunk or gets high, and they do something out of the ordinary, can they say that... Uh, demon was allowed to get in them? You understand? Because yes, somebody's not sober-minded. Yeah, they could say that, but it's it's not necessarily true. Um, certainly you could say it, you could blame the devil for a lot of things, but ultimately we will be, and, and it's, let me say, when a person goes the route of drugs, when the person goes the route of, of uh, alcohol to be not in their right mind, to be drunk with something, 
there is a there is certainly the possibility for demon possession, yes, for unbelievers, uh, demon, demonic oppression, yes, demonic influence, yes, uh, even demonically inspired activity, absolutely. But ultimately, the activity in the human, the human being is fully responsible for all his activities, all his stuff. He's responsible for it all. He, he won't be able to stand before God. He won't be able to stand before man and authoritatively blame a demon. Uh, demons don't have that control, that type of control over an unbeliever or a believer. Um, a believer can simply resist the devil and he will flee. Simply resist. Okay. An unbeliever can repent of their sins and be born again, instantly be being released from any kind of demonic oppression or any kind of demonic possession in that moment. So, no, I don't, I don't believe that, that a believer can blame the demon for their behavior, even if and when it could be demonically influenced and they could be possessed by a demon. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Have You're a welcome. Week. Thank you. Great question. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Uh, that was a great question. Let's see where we are here. Let me line it up here. We are on line two, which is John. John, welcome to the program. Hey, John, are you still with us? All right. I'm sorry, John. I might have hit the wrong button. If you want to call back, that would be great. Uh, We're going to go to Baltimore, Maryland. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What can I do for you? So I was calling to ask you a question in regards to, um, I, well, from my understanding of what I think I know of your past, you may be familiar with uh, the marijuana that is um, C- CBD. Yes, a little bit. I'm not super, um, not super knowledgeable about it, but I, I am somewhat. Okay. Well, uh, if you don't know, it comes in many forms. Um, there is the legal um, CBD, which uh, either has zero THC or the I think less than like 0.3 percent THC in it, which doesn't really do anything. Okay. Um, from a biblical standpoint, um, do you say or are you, like? Because I know like drinking is wrong, getting highs is you know I guess it's you know somewhere in I think First Timothy it, it says that you know if you know, you're not supposed to, that we need to be sober. And I'm wondering if this is something that doesn't get you high and if it can help people with pain relief or whatever symptoms that they have and they're not getting high from it, I, is it still is it still wrong? Yeah, I mean, that that's a great question because this is one of those areas that um, poses great challenges for us, because I think it's easier to say, don't get drunk. The Bible is very clear on that. It's right. easier to say, don't you know, smoke a joint, because it's going to bring you under its influence very quickly. And then when it comes to CBD oil, what, whatever the active ingredients are that would then, I, I think it's THC, right? THC is the, um, the, the part. That's the psychoactive that gets you the quote-unquote high. But the yeah. CBD is supposed to help with like inflammation and pain and uh, people's anxiety and stuff like that. 
So as we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, I want to be careful because I'm not an expert in this area, but I, I definitely want to stay away from things that could bring me under its power and under its control. So that if I'm having difficulties and challenges with pain and chronic pain, I would want to approach CBD like I would want to approach opioids, like I would want to approach a warning label on Tylenol, that I would want very strong advice, professional mm. advice in my life because it's so closely associated with the new marijuana industry and who right. knows how they're putting in. I would just want for my own peace of mind before the Lord uh, to, to have strong advice of what's best for me in relationship to relieving the pain um, and making sure that I'm in an area that I'm not taking something that could overwhelm me. Like for alcohol is a great example of that. The Bible does not forbid alcohol. It doesn't right. forbid drinking at all anywhere. It doesn't declare that drinking alcohol is a sin. However, it does declare drunkenness as a sin. Correct. Uh, and of course, with my background, knowing that I uh, was unable to stop, once I was under the influence, I was unable to stop uh, right. in my own right mind, and I often got drunk, and the kind of pain and difficult and sorrow it brought me, I choose to give up that freedom and that I choose to give up that right, if you will, of drinking alcohol just to stay away from it completely. I don't even want to go there. And I understand. I've been there a number of times. <laughs> so when it comes to CBD and, and you know, my drug use and all that, I, I, I want to... It's same with opioids. I mean, like, let's be clear, because sometimes the, art, the argument is made, well, you know, what's the difference between opioids? And, well, I don't think there's much difference at all. I know that when I went to, to get my uh, wisdom teeth taken out, I was very concerned about the level of pain that I would experience and what they would prescribe me. Um, even though I'm not afraid, I was concerned. Like, I don't want to take anything that might trip a, another switch in my head. Because uh, I've even had pastor friends that had chronic pain that ended up taking opioids and ended up becoming addicted to them and losing their ministry. Uh, I can understand. Yeah. And so, in a general sense, I say if CBD is an option then don't let it be from the local marijuana uh, store. Don't let it be from, you know, wherever they're selling it these days. But get good, solid medical advice of what the best way to handle your pain in order to stay away and at the same time stay away from those things that might take you under its power. Um, because, you know, they could say it's XYZ THC, you know, a certain amount of right. percentage, but then find out that since it's an un unregulated industry, that it's far more. You know, when they, they didn't right. make a big deal about it here in Colorado, but when marijuana was legalized here in Colorado, which I think was an unfortunate legislative decision, they were, they also made edibles um, right. uh, legal. And what they weren't telling people, though, is that there was a far higher concentration of THC in the edibles than it was in just smoking a joint. So people would be eating a couple brownies thinking it was no big deal, and it would really significantly alter their mind so that there was suicide and violence because, you know, it's just marijuana, but the potency, they wasn't regulated. It's still not regulated to some degree. Uh, and And so it's just one of those areas like... If you don't have to, stay away from it. And if you do have a chronic pain issue, uh, I, don't, I, I do believe God wants you to have relief, but I would encourage you to do it in such a way, especially if you have addictive issues, that you would do it under medical advice and they could help you along the way. That's my, that's, that would be my view on it. Hmm. Oh, I'm not okay. going there personally, I could tell you that. I'm not going there personally. 
Um, I'm going to um, ask a doctor for help. And even if they, I don't want anything to do with opioids, um, you know, even if like, oh, you know, I, I'm a believer now and I'm walking in the spirit and uh, I don't want to trip up anything in my life and present myself as, as much as possible. Um, I don't want to put myself in a position that I could be overcome by something that I, want, I don't want to be overcome by. Um, can I ask you one other question real quick? Sure. So um, it, it, it goes in line with, like, pain, healing, yeah. um, and prayers. Um, you know, I, I know, I, and I, I can't tell you where it is because I'm not sure, but I, I believe that there's somewhere in the Bible, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that states where if we are praying for, like, healing or X, Y, Z, that we're supposed to, like, walk in knowing that um, God, you know, going to heal us or something like that. Okay. Um, and that we're supposed to walk in, you know, like, I guess, knowing that um, He's going to hear our prayers. Yes. And that He's going to heal my leg or my neck or whatever it is that's bothering me, like if it's like a, a chronic condition. Um, but like, I've also heard people tell me that you're supposed to walk in, in knowing that you're healed, like walk in that faith, knowing that you're healed. And, you know, I've, you know, I tried to do that. And, um, well, obviously my pain issue for me was not, you know, healed like that. And, um, that, I was that, just wondering if you can touch on that at all. Yeah. That type of advice really ticks me off because, it's not taking into account that you and I live in fallen bodies and the moment that we were born was the moment we started to die. And I know we don't measure it that way because, you know, we're precious babies and, and we're, we're, we're looking forward to 70, 80, 90 years of life. But the reality is, is that the, there's evidence, ample evidence on the earth today that the wages of sin is death right. and that you and I are going to die of our final unhealed sickness. That's just the way it is, whatever age we are, whatever pre, preordained age uh, there is. So this whole genre of false teaching that, that speaks of, you know, just walk in the victory that's already yours and walk in the healing that's yours and you can claim it. And if somehow you're not healed, then it has everything to do with your lack of faith or in some cases you don't give enough and you're not sowing enough seed and on and on and on. Um, I, I dismiss that kind of teaching wholeheartedly. I believe it's unbiblical. To speak to your personal pain, you know, I'm sorry that that your body is causing you so much aggravation. Uh, to even speaking to a brother today about his back and the constant pain that he's continually in, um, you know, I think that when I pray for you, and I will in a moment, I do believe that God can bring healing, and I do believe that God can touch your body. The only I thing. Do too. The only thing I don't know is whether he will or not on right. this side of eternity. I know he will because one day you will shed this earthly body and receive a perfectly healed new body. I know Amen. that for sure. So Amen. no doubt on that. But what does he want to do through your chronic pain today? How does he want to use it? Um, where we're, I think we're all in different stages of pain, especially as we get older. But then right. when you have injuries and you have trauma and you have traffic accidents and you have, you, you have the reality of life, some people are in much deeper pain like you are than right. others. But I, wanna, I want you to consider the life of Jesus. And let me just ask you a question, 
and and I mean no offense on this, but I want you to, uh, we got to be real in order for the Lord to really minister to us. So can I ask you a hard question? Yes. When you read through the New Testament, do you think Jesus healed everybody? No. No, no, he did not. Um, And there's references where um, he went to areas and he was rejected, so he, he left. And I would agree with you. I know he did. And here's a great example in John 5 where it says, He went into the pools there of Bethesda, and in these, listen, say, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the movement of the water. And then, he, then you jump down, and Jesus sees one man, speaks to him, says, do you want to be made well? The man said, I don't have anybody to, to get me into the water. Jesus says, get up, and immediately the man was made well, and everyone else wasn't. Jesus went into a place of great sickness and healed one man. And there were plans and purposes in that. Um, other times it says Jesus healed everybody that came to him. And what that tells us is that we don't know the ways of God, and we don't know what God's going to do with our sickness, and we don't know, we don't know, and we then respond by trusting God in our sickness. I think it's a, I think sometimes it's a greater testimony, it's a greater testimony of a person in your shoes that has great chronic pain that continues to walk with the Lord, continues to glorify Him, continues to raise your hands in worship, uh, continues to persevere than those that might be more more well and don't live a life of honor and commitment to the Lord like you do. Hmm. Hmm. Are there any references in the Scripture where, and I don't think that there are, but are there any references where people that were believers or had faith came to Jesus and for some sort of healing and he did not? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, thinking out loud here, anyone that was a believer that came, the episodes of the people coming to Jesus for healing, uh, those that came to him were healed. I can't think, I, I'm, I'm, that's a good question. I'm going to have to think that through. Uh, I'm trying. I'm circling through my little mind here of the people that came to Jesus, and I'm wondering who. Um, well, let me give you. Okay, let me give you. Let me give you an example. Uh, Lazarus. Now, technically, he didn't come to Jesus, but Lazarus was brought back from the dead to what? Only die again. Right. So that everyone that did get healed, and I'm trying to think of someone, anyone that did experience the healing from Jesus, it was temporary healing, because ultimately they all died as well. So healing, even on this side of eternity, or especially on this side of eternity, is temporary at best. Man, that is a good question. I'm going to think about it for a little bit until I can answer it. I'm, I'm going through all the my, in my mind of the people that came to him, and you know, I think of, I, I mean, the again, this is spiritual healing, but the rich young ruler left Jesus in a worse condition than when he came because he didn't repent. Um, right. You know, so it wasn't physical, but it was spiritual. Like he had the chance to follow the leading of the Spirit and to obey Jesus, but he didn't. Um, he left in a worse condition um, than when he first came. Um, but um, I cannot think of. Ah, here's a great one. Somebody just asked. Oh, come on, Ed. Come on. Here's a great one right here. Uh, Paul the Apostle. 
when he cries out for the thorn in his flesh? The answer from heaven was no. I just taught this. So thank you guys that texted in. Um, Yeah, Paul didn't receive healing, and neither did he heal himself, even though God used him to heal in other places. Was Paul in that in that situation going to him like physically, or are you? Are we? Is it, was that like spiritual or in prayer? Yeah, Paul would be in our case. He would be living life like you and me after the death and resurrection right, of Jesus, okay. living by faith, trusting in God, crying out to Him for healing. Take this thorn away, and the answer was no. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I I think I was. Uh, well, I mean, that's good to know, because I, uh, I actually didn't really think about that. But, like, from a physical standpoint, when they went to go see him physically, and then uh, that's what I mean as far as, like, coming to him as a believer physically, like, in, in his actual presence when he was alive here on Earth in, in a human form. Yeah, each of the episodes that I can recall in my mind, everyone was healed that came. Even um, even those that brought their kids to him, even those that brought their friends to him experienced healing. So I'm going to think about it, though. Uh, maybe people will text me to help me out, but I'm going to think about it. I got to go. God bless you, brother. Thanks. Bye-bye. God bless you. Man, great questions. Come on out tonight. We have a family night on the parking lot. Starts in a couple minutes. Uh, Then we have a baptism at 7 o'clock right here at Calvary Church. Calvaryco.church. Calvaryco.church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.